You're listening to the Niners Bros, your home for post-game analysis, correcting media narratives, and keeping you up to date on all things San Francisco 49ers. What's up, guys? I'm Michael Ditchfield. And I'm David Ditchfield, and we are the Niners Bros. In another wild week in the NFL, the Jets beat the Packers by 17 points, the Steelers beat the Buccaneers by two, the Giants beat the Ravens by four and improved to five and one, and most notably, the San Francisco 49ers fall to the Atlanta Falcons 14 to 28. You could call it an injurious loss for the 49ers, another week where just decimated with injuries and you start to feel like the Black Knight in Monty Python. I don't know if you guys have ever watched that. You probably have seen clips of it, but where he just keeps losing one limb after another, and and he won't give up. He keeps fighting. You know, you know. He, he says, oh, "Tis but a scratch. It's just a flesh wound." That's why we've called this episode "Just a Flesh Wound." But but he keeps losing one limb after another, and that's how it feels to be a 49ers fan. And the rest of the NFL is like King Arthur saying, "But you've got no arms," and and that's that's how it felt for sure. So. We've talked about this every week about how devastating the injuries have been, and we wanted to actually share some breaking news with you. We have actually uncovered the truth, the reason behind why the 49ers are getting hurt so much more than any other team. So this actually goes back quite a ways. We don't know who, but we have confirmed that it is somebody in the front office years and years ago fell in love with a woman and unfortunately it did not work out the families just did not approve and the reason for that was of course because the woman was a voodoo priestess so she has been scorned and furious ever since just biding her time Uh every fall she lines up 53 voodoo dolls she dresses them in red and gold and one by one with her little needles she starts to go to work I don't know if this was John Lynch, Al Guido, Jed York, maybe. We don't know who it was exactly, but... I think it predates Lynch. Well, yeah, we know we know it was one of those. I mean, <laughs> if Jed York tears his ACL walking down the hallway, that's going to raise some red flags for sure, right? So she's just being super devious and subtle about this, one at a time, just picking off the Niners one by one. That's the only logical explanation. It all it all makes sense now. Just It's amazing. <laughs> All joking aside, um, Jacob Hutchinson with KNBR wrote a terrific article detailing how horrific the 49ers injury luck has been, not just this year, not just the last couple of years. You guys, this has been going on for a decade. The 49ers cannot maintain a healthy roster. We've mentioned this before. They have fired their entire strength and wellness and conditioning teams three times. I do not know what this team has to do to stay healthy or to just maintain an NFL average roster. This is brutal. And I hate to break it to you, but if you're a 49ers fan who's calling for Kyle Shanahan's head today because, well, he's the coach and the buck stops with him. This has happened across three different regimes. If you think that a good strategy for organizational stability is to just keep firing coaches until one year the team is healthy, well, they may not even be good in that year. But in the meantime, it's just this arbitrary bad luck sort of thing. And the rest of the NFL is not going to stop to feel sorry for us. So let's get right into it. Some of the storylines as we always go through. And then we'll talk about game flow. This was a very strange game to watch. You kind of left it in disbelief. But coming in, the biggest question for the 49ers, how would they do 
especially without Nick Bosa, who was questionable. He was at practice, but I know you and I both agreed with the decision to hold him out, especially in a turf game. Yeah, and we had said that this was a game that was winnable. You didn't need Bosa to beat the Falcons. And surprisingly enough, I don't know if we would have beaten the Falcons even with Bosa, but like you said, a player of that caliber on an artificial turf with a groin injury, the last thing you want to do is go out there and make it worse or you know, even worse than that, maybe he's trying to favor that and he ends up injuring something else that's going to keep him out even longer. I think that was the only logical choice to make was to hold him out of that game. Sure. So for the 49ers, missing close to half our starters, but it didn't seem to be a problem against Carolina. We absolutely ran over Carolina. And you don't think that Atlanta is that superior of an opponent from Carolina so kind of interesting to come in with your hopes high that we can still take care of business we were wondering if we were going to see a Jimmy G interception today just because of the law of averages he had gone a couple games I know we tweeted out before the game don't panic you know he's probably going to throw a pick but unless it decides the game you know just just go with it um for Atlanta there's storylines coming in uh Cordero Patterson on injured reserve how would they run the ball without him and he basically is their offense uh, you know, not as dynamic as a Debo Samuel, but certainly their biggest offensive weapon without question. So with him on IR, a lot of question marks, who's going to be running the ball? Are they going to be able to run the ball? Are they going to have those explosive plays? And that was definitely a, a big storyline coming in. Another storyline was uh, Shanahan talking about BA, Brandon Ayuk. He said that he's been working his butt off, he's been having a terrific season, and while the numbers maybe don't reflect that, that was definitely one of the things that Shanahan said. It's just a matter of time. Eventually, the work is going to pay off, and you're going to see those numbers on the stat sheet. I'm sure Atlanta was excited to see how A.J. Terrell, their outstanding young corner, would match up against him. So that's one we were looking forward to. And then uh, they were excited the Falcons were to have Pitts, Kyle Pitts, back. So those were kind of the storylines coming into it. Let's jump right into game flow. So first drive of the game, Atlanta gets the ball, and the injuries start right away. Uh, Hufanga and Ebukam both come out of the game with injuries, and they were in and out throughout the rest of the game. But not what you wanted to see as a 49ers fan. And worse than that, to see all of these scrubs come in, all these backups, Odom was in in the first drive, Burks. There was a lot of confusion and pointing before every snap, and the Falcons weren't even in hurry up. It was like the defense just couldn't line up. Yeah, they weren't set. Like you said, you see a lot of hand motions, a lot of guys holding up their arms. What's going on? What's the play? Where am I supposed to be? Even Gibson was super late coming over, getting set. Uh, the defense just looked very, very confused, which is not something we have seen at all at any point during the season. Sure. The highlight of the drive was a 37-yard uh, catch to a wee little man named Zacchaeus, uh, and the Falcons cap it off with a touchdown to uh, Pruitt. Um, they had three third-down conversions on that drive. Overall, 11 plays, 74 yards, 6 minutes and 14 seconds. Not how you wanted to start the game very efficient i mean there were no penalties there were no negative runs there were no incompletions just a very very efficient drive that ended with a touchdown and we come right back with two very vanilla running plays um, and then a third down where jimmy garoppolo has all day to throw and that was the theme of this game but fails to find an open guy um i think I think targeted Jennings, but failed to convert and, and they punt. Um, some questions about if Kittle was open deep on that one, but either way, you know, the 49ers fail to answer in any meaningful way and punt it right back to Atlanta. Now, fortunately, they didn't uh, come roaring 
back right after that. They had to punt after a false start and a block in the back. Um, but then <laughs> the 49ers get the ball, and Jeff Wilson, again, the, the least creative runner perhaps in the NFL and and his yards per carry has been decent to this point off of a few where he was untouched but he runs right into the back of the offensive line fumbles it's recovered and returned for a touchdown and the 49ers are down 14 to nothing yeah so you're in the hole there 14 to nothing this is Atlanta so you're not going to count yourself out right away but you talk about a worst case scenario start the defense looks completely disorganized and terrible you're giving up a touchdown on offense, your offense comes out, excuse me, a touchdown on defense, your offense then comes out and does nothing, three and out, and then on the next drive, you fumble and it's returned for a touchdown, down 14 to nothing. With the 49ers' inability to score points, that's definitely a concerning number, but fortunately, the 49ers were able to turn it around a little bit after that. Yeah, they put together an eight-play, 79-yard touchdown drive. Um, Ayuk just cooked AJ Terrell we were looking forward to that matchup and just a beautiful route from Ayuk uh, burns him uh, for the touchdown and Kittle and Debo were involved early in that drive too so nice to see them settle down a little bit and and get on the board early um, to cut into that Um, Atlanta then they come back with another punt the defense is holding up a little bit better Drake Jackson gets his third sack of the year which is tied for the lead among rookies so for a part-time player um, certainly nice to see him uh, kind of blossoming in that role who would step up without Bosa out good to see him kind of answer early and on that punt we get a 35 yard punt return by Ray Ray McLeod we have been waiting for something good on special teams after the last couple weeks and he's fumbled a few times but you know he has that big play potential he stood in there avoided a huge hit kind of did a nice little spin move got low got shifty that was a phenomenal return and like you said we've been desperately waiting for something productive to come out of special teams. And that drive ends with another Ayuk touchdown for 14 yards. It's really nice to see Shanahan's prediction paying off and nice to see him uh, get the ball. You know, he seems to be open a lot and it was nice to see Jimmy actually looking his way and the game is tied and you feel like, all right, all right, we're, we're back in this. Yeah. They came all the way back 14 points and you're tied. So you're thinking, all right, well, we're back in this. Now it's time. We're in the driver's seat time to put them away and little did we know we could have just turned off the tv at that point because that was the last points the 49ers were going to score yeah and amena who gets a sack on the next drive and he's been so good to way to way to answer the bell but then a 17 yard scramble from mariota keeps the drive going and then they get down inside the goal line kind of area and mariota keeps it on a zone read and just beats womack to the outside and it's not even close Um, and mooney ward is hurt on that drive and they go up 21 to 14 and you're starting to worry drake london is a he's a really good young player for the falcons and he was mouthing off to 49ers backup cornerbacks the whole game i don't know if he got in their head not like he went off with you know hysterical numbers but having mooney ward hurt and knowing that emmanuel mosley is on the shelf with a torn acl and we just gave up the lead after coming back and it's 21 14 was not a good feeling yeah he was jawing a lot for a player that finished with i think 41 yards receiving but Like you said, there's no veteran presence on the outside with Emmanuel Mosley done for the year, Mooney Ward out of the game. It's all basically rookies or backups, and the Falcons had their foot on our throats. They really did, and you could feel that they were the more aggressive team. They were the more physical team. The 49ers' defense especially has prided itself on its physicality, and they basically just lost in the trenches. To be fair, we are playing without our entire defensive line. So that's never a good thing. But 
the Falcons rushed the ball 168 yards in this game, which the 49ers have been averaging closer to like 70 yards allowed defensively. So the Falcons definitely found a, a winning recipe here, outrushed the 49ers 168 to 50. They had kind of a, a split back approach. They had Caleb Huntley carried it 16 times for 59 yards. Tyler Algier 15 times for 51 yards. And again, that's not like a crazy stat line in terms of yards per carry, but they were physical. They were getting those extra yards and they were just moving the chains. The Falcons rushed for first downs 10 times in this game. Mm -hmm. The 49ers only rushed four times for first downs. Jimmy picked up 15 passing first downs. The 49ers were not good running the ball in this game. They have not been good all year. That's kind of like a dirty little secret, I think. Everyone yeah. knows how good Shanahan is and how he schemes with the run game. So far, the 49ers are not a good running team. They've had a few good performances that were bolstered by, as you said, those really long runs where it's just untouched. Sure. But overall, the 49ers have not been efficient, they've not been effective, and they have been anything but dynamic on the ground. Yeah, it's crazy. We're in the bottom third of the league when it comes to running efficiency. So I think you watch one of these national broadcasts on like a Sunday night or a Monday night, and they just go on and on about how great the 49ers are at running the ball. And it's like, well, statistically, we're not that great. I know that that's the identity that we're trying to project. But I think a lot of it, you and I were talking about how there seems to have been this philosophy change where when we had Mostert and, and even when Mostert was hurt, we were doing a lot of outside zone. We were getting fast guys in there to try to run to the outside. And it feels like Shanahan just decided that speed guys and outside zone they're just not fast enough and what we need to do is draft guys like trey sermon and ty davis price who are bigger and theoretically healthier and let's just focus more on shotgun runs up the middle where kyle Yuschek is not even really being used as a fullbacker he's he's out out in the slot or as a linebacker it feels like we never have the quarterback under center anymore handing to a running back with a lead blocker and it's it's just not working I do feel like I'm taking crazy pills. You said, you know, we're drafting these guys that are more, you know, a little heavier, a little stronger, less likely to get hurt. Those guys are getting hurt. Or so they're, what's the point? Yeah, or they're so ineffective that they're literally not even on the team anymore. Shanahan, his whole brilliant concept is this outside stretch, this 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 run scheme. And he's just abandoned it completely. I can't understand it. Jeff Wilson is not the fastest guy in the NFL. But he's fast enough. I mean, he was getting over over 20 miles an hour on his carry last week, and he will not run to the outside. This team is not even calling outside runs. If you're running to the outside left and right all game and you're getting beat to the point, you're getting negative runs or a yard or two here and there, that's fine. Do something else. But we're not even trying. It's, it's so hard to understand. On top of that, the offensive linemen that we're drafting – are these athletic guys, these smaller, lighter guys sure. who can run and who can get out in space. And so what do we do? We just run it right up the middle every time. It's so hard to understand. It just puts so much pressure on technique and execution because frankly, even if you're running outside zone and you know a tight end kind of whiffs on a block or a wide receiver doesn't 
make a perfect block. If you've got a guy running 4-4 or 4-3 getting out in space, even if the block's not perfect, he's got a full head of steam, and if he makes the right cut, he's got a chance. But when we're so reliant on, well, if we can just make that perfect Red Sea parting block up the middle where there's a hat on a hat, and we can just line it up and look how beautiful it is, you know, it's like we're we're playing football on paper and not realizing that we need to get people out in space it's it's just a it seems to be a, a philosophical change and it's not working like we said there was one play that i was just stunned flabbergasted it's one of those where you put the heel of your hand to your forehead and you just hit, smack yourself as hard as you can so right before ayuk's second touchdown mcglinchy actually got hurt and came out of the game as well and so what do we do on the very next play we run off right tackle like yeah, to hance right what what on earth are we thinking First off, terrible play call, or is that one where the running back, again, just terrible vision, terrible idea. Your right tackle comes in the game, so you run right at him. That's just completely backwards. How is that the play? How is that the call? How is that the decision? So frustrating. Again, it turned into an IU touchdown later, so not a big deal. But in terms of just the, the strategy and the methodology, it's really concerning to see the evaporation of the 49ers run game and run scheme. Yep. And we'll get back into the game flow here, but I think that that bared mentioning, if you're a 49ers fan, you're watching these games, and I know that you're seeing this, you're seeing that we are not good at running the ball anymore, and and this seems to be why. So the 49ers did get the ball back with 57 seconds left before halftime, but for our offense and the way we move the ball, um, it might as well have been you know 20 seconds. You know we picked up a couple first downs, got close to midfield, and then Garoppolo, who didn't really have a chance to get in field goal range with no timeouts, you know aired out a, a ball into triple coverage that was picked that he would not have thrown, you know under normal circumstances. I think he was trying to get a toe tapping sideline grab and then kick a field goal, but you know. Yeah, so everyone, again, the national media narratives talk about how oh the two interceptions from Garoppolo is just too much to overcome. That was an end-of-a-half play. He doesn't have the arm to throw it 65 yards into the end zone. So that's one of those plays where, again, it's either you know a touchdown or an interception, essentially. Not a good throw at all, but again, one he would never have made under normal circumstances. That was one of those, you know, flip a coin and hope it works out. Obviously, it was intercepted, looks terrible on the stat sheet, but it's not, it's really not a big deal. Yeah, and Kyle Shanahan knows more than we do. Let's get that out of the way, like right now. Okay. But uh, not not a fantastic play call. <laughs> like no. if you know if you know that that's the plan is Jimmy throwing into triple coverage and hoping for a toe tapping sideline catch from Debo Samuel who who eats over the middle. I know you and I would have rather. I, I think we had a better chance of actually just hitting Debo on a on a just a screen where he just makes hay in the open field. So didn't didn't care for that. Yeah, that certainly would have been a higher percentage play. But, you know, again, it didn't really cost the Niners. Obviously, it was intercepted there, but uh, yep. no points off of that turnover right before the half. So they go into halftime down 21 to 14, but expecting to get the ball back to start the half. And there was a kind of a senseless penalty from the Falcons, too, where you knew that we were going to get a 15-yard advantage on the opening kickoff. But at halftime, Time of possession, 11 minutes and eight and 19 seconds for us, 18 and 41 for them. It helped that the ball never hit the ground, no incompletions. You know, this game actually was finished in less than three hours. I don't know if you realize that. but Yeah, it felt longer as a 49ers <laughs> fan, but this game, as you said, really did move along. Mariota finished the game 13 of 14 with 129 passing yards, two passing touchdowns to go along with 50 rushing yards and a, a score on the ground as well on only six carries, but... 
Mariota did not throw an incompletion until the fourth quarter. Yeah, it's wild. As a 49ers defense, we are so used to seeing three and outs on the first drive. So to see the Falcons just going left and right, up and down the field at will with these quick throws, these positive running plays, just not what you want to see. So at the half, Jimmy is 12 of 15 for 122. Uh, Certainly that pick we're not going to fault him for like we said too much the the 49ers were not really going to score on that anyway Wilson six carries for 23 yards so not great but you're kind of excited to hopefully tie the game in that opening drive the 15 yard advantage you're looking forward to and amazingly on the kickoff by Pinion former 49er the 49ers don't even get it to the 30 yeah despite the advantage phenomenal kick from Pinion we know he has a leg the problem with him was that he just had a bad tendency to shank about every fifth or sixth punt which is not good Um, but certainly a great guy he did a lot of awesome things in the community Um, has a booming leg but the inconsistency was just kind of a little bit too much for the 49ers yeah well he hit that one Ray Ray returns it and then curiously the the more we look over our game notes the more you start to question some of the decisions that were made curiously after ray ray returns that we dial up a deep shot not to debo or to Ayuk. we dial up a deep shot to ray ray and this is being disputed a lot on social media people are arguing over whether or not the throw hit him in stride and was dropped or whether it was beyond his reach and it's not his fault just watch it watch it live and you will know that that deep shot from garoppolo is one that ray ray should have caught and it would have been a huge gain that ball is in the air long enough for him to make an adjustment. He did not really have a great beat on it. He was really altering his trajectory of, of his route where he was running super late into that. As you said, it did touch both of his hands. That is nothing like an Emmanuel Sanders overthrow in the Super Bowl. That was a very catchable ball. And if he does manage to catch it, there's no guarantee he scores on that play, but he was going to keep running You'd like to see him at least dive or make some kind of a better effort at it. That was a very catchable ball, a really nice deep throw. Good to see Jimmy making that attempt, making that throw. That was one of his better deep balls. And that was probably the turning point in the game, his failure to catch that and put the 49ers in a scoring position because on the ensuing drive, Atlanta starts with a short completion, and then they run eight straight times. Uh, just run after run after run all for positive yardage they get inside the 10 with those eight runs and then Pitts just Kyle Pitts just absolutely cooks Samuel Womack on a slant Samuel Womack does not have a chance against um, six foot how tall is he six foot five six foot six Kyle Pitts and his four three speed yeah he had a couple unfortunate highlight reels there he got really burned outrun by Mariota to the pylon on a QB uh, scramble and then was just not competitive at all on that play to Pitts. So that touchdown puts Atlanta up 28-14, to and in the words of Woody from Toy Story, this is the perfect time to panic. Uh, You missed your deep shot, and you immediately gave up a touchdown. Now you're down two. Um, The ensuing drive for the 49ers, they get a first down to Juice, and then the sorrows continue with probably the most unathletic attempt at a catch I've seen since middle school, you know, in P.E., uh, with Charlie Warner, who's dialed up on on this beautiful play uh, down the middle of the field, another perfect, perfect throw from Garoppolo, and and he just throws his hands at the ball like bats it into the ground like a defender. I don't I don't know what that was. And it's so frustrating when you cannot get drives to go the right way. You cannot put points on the board. 
Jimmy Garoppolo finished the game 29 of 41 for 296 yards, two touchdowns, obviously had two interceptions to go along with it. 296, if you're a 49ers fan, you know that's on the high side for sure for Garoppolo. And if his receivers didn't have stone hands, he was going to be closer to 400 yards in this game. He was he was honestly sure. playing like he did in New Orleans a couple of years ago. That game famously ended with Kittle picking up that fourth down and dragging half of the Saints' defense down the sideline. Yeah, That was how Garoppolo looked. He made a ton of really great deep throws. He was really sharp. Obviously, every game he's going to have a couple of poor throws, a couple of overthrows. But Jimmy really looked great. And if you're just looking at the stat lines or you're listening to the media takes, they're saying, oh, well, it was just too much to overcome those two interceptions. Jimmy played his butt off. This was a really, really strong game from Jimmy. He absolutely did enough for this team to beat a Falcons team. We just couldn't do anything on the ground. And the defense, unfortunately, was really uncharacteristically bad. But they're missing seven starters. So there's only 11 starters. And when you're missing seven of them, that's pretty tough. I talked to a Bills fan today. They said, how'd you guys lose to the Falcons? And I told him all the people we were missing. And he said, oh, so it was like a preseason game. I said, yeah, pretty much it was. Um, And I'm sure it felt like preseason to Garoppolo. Warner's got to catch that. And Ray Ray's got to catch the one before. Um, There's no guarantees, but both of those catches would have put them at, at or inside the 30 yard line of the Falcons. You have to imagine, even if we don't score touchdowns, that we would have had two scores. Well, we lost by two scores. Um, And Garoppolo actually started to show some frustration after that second drop, and who can blame him? Yeah, and, you know, again, when you talk about getting into field goal range, there's no guarantee that our field goal attempts would not have been blocked based on how special (laughs) teams have been going. But those were just absolute drive killers. And then there was another drive killer where Jimmy made possibly his best throw of the season, just an absolute dime to Ayuk on the sideline on one of their following drives. But that one, of course, was negated by a holding penalty. I think it was less of a hold. It was more like Brendel just got beat so bad and knocked flat on his butt. It's like, you know, when you, <laughs> when you, you're going down the stairs, you're walking down the stairs and you think there's one more stair, but there's not. And it completely throws your balance. I think that's what happened to the defender. The defender basically just fell on top of Brendel because he probably wasn't expecting him to get beat that bad. They called Brendel on a hold. But again, that was a, a like a 35 or a 40 yard pass to Ayuk That was just an absolute dime. It was a beautiful throw. And if you're Jimmy Garoppolo there, you, you said exhibiting frustration earlier already at that point, what's going through his mind? Like, what else can I do? What more do I have to do to help this team get points on the board? Nothing went right for the 49ers yeah, in this game. The Falcons were not putting the pedal to the metal at that point. You know, they had, they had punted and, you know, they hadn't capitalized off of uh, an interception that Jimmy threw where it was, it wasn't the worst throw in the world, but it, it wasn't too great either, but they, they were not pushing, pushing, pushing. Um, but Mariota, you know, he had his first incompletion with 10 minutes and 52 seconds left um, before they punted. And that was that drive, that ensuing drive, the ninth possession for the 49ers, where Brendel um, commits that penalty. And later in that drive, he also had a snap infraction. Terrible. Yeah, where you know, this is like the second time. And Shanahan acts like such a, a hard case all the time and that, you know, people get benched if they don't learn from their mistakes. And I'm sure he's a nice guy. But Brendel is making these mistakes again and again and again. We had that false start. You know, a couple weeks ago where where Shanahan admitted that it was Brendel snapping the ball at the wrong time. 
Uh, that happened again here. So two penalties on that same drive. Debo had a magical one-yard gain where Another he made one. like four people miss just to get back to the line of scrimmage. Um, Ayuk was was hustling his heart out. Kittle was pancaking people. Those three guys were hustling, and they just looked exhausted, but to no avail. They Their last legitimate shot at scoring ends with you know Jimmy on a broken play not being able to connect with Kittle in, in the back of the end zone, and that's pretty much it. I mean, they, they got one more possession in garbage time, but final score 28 to 14 and just not not good to exhaust yourself in a two touchdown loss before going to play Patrick Mahomes next week and people were roasting Garoppolo for that missed connection to Kittle as well I think it's fair to say that the 49ers don't practice broken plays a lot because Jimmy Garoppolo just almost never leaves the pocket there was a previous play where he was rolling out to his right and was trying to hit Ayuk that ball was severely underthrown, so a really a, a poor throw there. But on that throw to Kittle, give Garoppolo credit. There was a lot of sauce on that one. Sure. He was pointing to the back pylon, and Kittle, unfortunately, basically just ran straight across to the front pylon, and that ball was thrown hard enough that Kittle did not have time to adjust to it while it was in the air and make the catch. Again, not a terrible throw. It's one you'd love to have, but more of a miscommunication than an overthrow or a misfire. Again, it's just one of those games where nothing goes right and you just leave the field feeling battered and bruised. And as a fan, it's just really rough to watch. You know that obviously for the players, they feel it even more. Uh, The guys that are these competitive guys that all they want to do is win. The 49ers are still in first place, uh, tied for first place amazingly. We haven't really played any... um, top tier football teams yet we could we be six and oh yeah for sure um you know basically at the top of the league you've got the eagles you've got the chiefs and the bills outside of that there's a lot of uncertainty and the 49ers have not been capitalizing they have not been finishing games i think this is a time where you can certainly be concerned so in a game where you only score 14 points you want to see well what happened how did you score? Who was involved? And that's the thing. Ayuk had eight catches for 83 yards, his first multi-touchdown game of his career. Yep. Kittle also had eight catches for 83 yards. Debo Samuel had seven catches for 79 yards. Those are your three weapons. They were all heavily targeted, heavily involved, and the 49ers still only managed to put up 14 points against the Falcons' defense. Yeah, I think it's really only if you do a drive-by-drive analysis that you realize how unfortunate and bizarre this game was we had two drives that were submarine i think we only punted three times we had two drives that were submarined by drops from lesser players and you could say well we shouldn't be throwing to those guys but like you said it's not like the the top three guys weren't involved we threw to them a lot but the running game never got going we couldn't overcome the injuries on defense to stop the run you know and and the falcons we held them to 21 points you know, aside from the the defensive touchdown. But yeah, I mean, you can't blame the officials. Both teams were penalized five times. Um, but on third down, we were three for eight and 0 for one on fourth down. They were nine for 14. And we, we newsflash, the 49ers still cannot stop mobile quarterbacks. Yeah, so 14 is a lot of times to reach third down, which just kind of shows you the commitment that Atlanta had to those small little plays where it's positive yardage, positive yardage. 9 for 14 is really good percentage-wise. 3 for 8 is not great. Uh, The 49ers actually had 57 plays to only 56. A lot of criticism coming down on Shanahan and the offense in one of their final drives when the Niners are down two scores. 
They took an eight minute drive that ended up in no points. Didn't seem like there was a whole lot of urgency there. No hurry up. And that is a concern. Um, You know, we are both Shanahan fans, believers, but when you look at how he's abandoning the outside run, the running game looks terrible, which is the foundation of his offense. Um, you've got Jimmy, who is obviously not plan A. I think he's playing better than anybody could have hoped or expected oh, sure. so far. Obviously, he had that outlier game against the Broncos where there's just some bad juju out there. I don't know what's going on. There's no possible way to play an exciting game against the Broncos <laughs> um, or if you are the Broncos. But it's just been a really, really average start for the 49ers again three and three could be probably should be six and oh against the teams that they've been facing and as you said going up against Patrick Mahomes that's not ideal uh the 49ers Shanahan and Jimmy are 11 and three after um after a loss but Andy Reid is kind of famous for coming out of losses and you know bye weeks as well and playing really well it's a wild week in the NFL. Again, it could be another wild week next week. You never know. We'll would see. I yeah. would I be stunned if the 49ers beat the Chiefs by 10? No. Would I be stunned if they lose by 20? No. No. <laughs> um, it depends who's healthy. Uh, we're hearing rumors that uh, Trent Williams and Bosa might actually be back. And if they're healthy and actually ready to go, what a boost that would be. Hard, hard to improve more with any two players on the team than getting those two guys back in the lineup. But Chiefs are not the team that you're wanting to play when you are this banged up and struggling mightily. Yeah. I mean, if Mooney Ward comes back too, and if they deem that Verrett is ready, but I think Verrett had a bit of a setback recently with some swelling in the knee. You can you can dream on the possibility of, of the 49ers showing up big, especially at home. But, you know, some good things from this game that not too many people are going to talk about. Aaron Banks seems to be you know, he was a big question mark, but he seems to be handling himself well. But there's some drama, 49ers fans. Get ready. Like, it's about to get worse. You know, Kittle in the postgame questioned um, effort, uh, which is usually something that you do on a team that is losing and that is um, there's tension in the locker room or, or losing kind of breeds those kind of questions. So I wouldn't be shocked if we lose to the Chiefs just because they're so much healthier than we are. They're one of the healthiest teams in the league in terms of how many injuries they've they've had. Um the 49ers are, of course, dead last. There's a, a new graph. It, <laughs> they call it the bus, the banged up score. And the 49ers are dead last in terms of injuries affecting game outcomes. Not a surprise to anybody who's been watching this team. Certainly a disappointment and just a frustration. It's it's hard to understand how any team could get hurt this much. It helps that so many other teams in the NFC West are underperforming right now, but you could see a scenario where a blowout loss to the Chiefs and then a, a loss to the Rams. How if the 49ers go into the bye week 3-5, and five, not just with a ton of injuries, but with a, a tough schedule coming out of the bye week with games against future playoff teams you could see how this this season could spiral out of control if the 49ers do not right the ship if if guys don't come back healthy and then there are going to be questions even if jed york is committed to shanahan you're going to have so much you can just see it already there's going to be so much pressure next year you know let alone the rest of this season that shanahan needs to find a way to get back to the 49ers running effectively and we'll, we'll see if they can do it yeah, and like you said, the saving grace is that the NFC West cannot get its crap together right now. Uh, 
it's looking like Geno Smith and the Seahawks might run away with this division. How is that possible? I don't know. I mean, the Rams just lost their le- the Rams have a horrible offensive line, and they just lost their left tackle to an Achilles injury. So, and the Cardinals just lost uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown for the year. They traded for uh, <laughs> Robbie Anderson, who got into it with his newly minted head coach. So, just boy, a lot of turmoil going on in the NFC West. You just have to hope that the 49ers can somehow ride this out make it to the dance and get healthy enough to maybe make a playoff run. But that's a long ways off. And the 49ers ultimately are going to have to find a way to score some points. That defense is not going to hold up forever. And even if the defense is fully healthy with no running game to speak of, and a defense that is just completely banged up, 49ers are really going to have to figure it out and they're going to have to figure it out fast. Either way, we'll be here to talk you through it. That's what we do here on this podcast. That's going to do it for us today, but be sure to like and subscribe, as we said. Follow us on Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We'll look forward to seeing you guys again next week. We are the Niners Bros.